0: Roles are something we all know about—not Rolls Royce kind of roles, uh, not bread rolls. R O L E S, roles. All right? uh, In the theatre, the actors have uh, different roles to play. Uh, sometimes they play their role according to the script. Uh, other times, they know their character so well, they can so well they can ad lib a little bit uh, and just go as if that character uh, would have gone. But there are roles in real life as well. In our workplace, we're expected to expected to, to act in a professional kind of way. Uh, when we are sick, we play the sick role, and with all kinds of expectations that, that come out of that. Uh, in our relationships, we play the role of a parent or a child or a spouse or a friend or just good friends. And we relate to other people uh, according to that role. And in fact, different ones of us have got different roles, lah, right? The way we act with our clients might be quite different from the way we act when we're with our family, and that changes again uh, when we're with our peers. And Sometimes once one person acts in a particular role uh, in a consistent way in a group, it can be very hard to change it because everyone expects you to act in that way. Uh, so you may be a frivolous joker among your friends, and then when you want to change, no one takes you seriously, right? It's only when you move to a new place, or you get new peers, new friends, uh, you can redefine your role. Well, in our passage today, uh, the Apostle Paul is addressing Ephesian Christians who are Gentiles. They are non-Jews. Ephesus was a Gentile city. And their roles were given to them by a Gentile society. Expectations that they were handed down from, since they were younger the lifestyle they're meant to live, the the way that things go. They were all there before they became Christian. But in verse 17 of chapter 4, Paul tells them in no uncertain terms, they can't play this Gentile role anymore. Look what it says in verse 17. He says, Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Cannot walk that way anymore. Cannot live that. They're going to have to change. They're going to have to go from playing one kind of character to playing a different kind of character. Now, sometimes people think that when the Bible talks in this way, it's telling us to be hypocrites. Because, you know, the people that Paul was writing to, they were Gentiles. And to act if they're not, to change characters, is that just pretending? Are they not being true to themselves? Pretending to be all holy when they've got a past history of pretty unholy behavior? Is that being a fraud? Well, it would be if they were just pretending. But God is not calling us to pretend to be something that we're not. He's actually calling us to live consistently with who we are. Not who we naturally are, but who we really are in Christ. Because remember what Paul's told us in the previous chapters about those who believe in Jesus? Once we were dead in sin, following the ways of the world, the flesh, the devil, heading for God's wrath, but God in His great love saved us from all that, raised us to life in Christ, seated us with Christ in the heavenly places, and for all eternity we'll wonder at the the riches of God's grace to us in Jesus. Saved by grace, through faith, so that we can do those good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. Yes, we were Gentiles, but now we've been brought near through the blood of Christ. We are part of his holy people. And if we are in Christ, then we have a whole new identity. And that is what defines us more than anything else. And so it's not hypocritical for the Ephesians, or for us for that matter, to play this new role. In fact, it would actually be hypocritical not to. But before Paul tells us about this new role, he talks a little bit more about the old one. He tells us the reason why the Gentiles live as they do is because of their thinking. They walk, verse 17, in the futility of their minds. The whole mindset of Gentile thought is empty when it comes to spiritual matters. Because their their worldview is created by society, by their culture, by their religion, or or by themselves. But but actually this is meaningless, it is empty, It it is actually useless because it is not God's point of view. And God's point of view is what reality truly is. And so they are, in verse 18, darkened in their understanding. They do not know God. In fact, verse 18 continues, they are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. You, you see, this is, this is culpable ignorance. The ignorance is in them, verse 18, due to the hardness of their heart. It is really their fault. That is, God reveals himself, but they don't get it. They don't see the truth because they don't actually want to see the truth. And the Bible tells us that in our sinful state, which is natural to us since the fall, we have hearts that run away from God, not to Him. Hearts that suppress the truth about God, which we ought to see and believe. That, uh, we can even use religion to hide from God. And the Gentiles, Paul says, they are ignorant of God because of the hardness of their hearts. That, and that sinful ignorance which has now become natural human ignorance, is expressed by different cultures in different ways. Now, Paul shows the Ephesians how it's working out in the Gentile culture of their day. It says in verse 19, they have become callous. Uh, They've lost sensitivity. They've lost the capacity to feel shame or or do for doing wrong. And therefore, it says, they give themselves up to sensuality. There's no restraints against plunging into, into sexually depraved activity. They are greedy, it says, to practice every kind of impurity. They are addicted to immorality, to immoral sexual behavior, and they think there's nothing wrong. Sounds a little bit like today's world, doesn't it? Sex outside of marriage is portrayed in the progressive media as normal. Our friends and colleagues visit prostitutes. People think nothing of casual sex when traveling on business. Homosexual behaviour is celebrated in some parts of society and frowned upon in other parts of society, but actually practiced in both. And some of our communities with the strictest rule about modesty have the highest rates of child sexual abuse. The Christians Paul was writing to, they were living in a perverted society. And actually, so are we. The temptation for them, and the temptation for us, is just follow society. Just go with the current. Just go along. And so in verse 20, Paul tells them, and the Spirit tells us, in no uncertain terms, that is not the way you learn Christ. That is not the way you learn Christ. The Bible doesn't teach us to simply follow our own culture, the gospel critiques culture, all culture. We have a new role, not to follow the world, but to follow Christ, whom we've learned. He says it's not the way you learn Christ. How do you learn Christ? I mean you can learn a theory, right? How do you come to learn a person? Well, Paul elaborates what he means in verse 21. He says, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. They heard about him how? In the gospel. They were taught about him. There is a truth there. And having received him by receiving the gospel, they were taught in him. They were educated in Christ. They weren't just taught the truth about Christ. That's vital, but that's only part of learning Christ. They were taught to; they were also taught to be like Christ. Uh, to begin with, they were taught in verse twenty-two to put off your old self, which belongs to the former former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And they were taught down in verse twenty-four to put on the new self. Right? so twenty-two, put off the old self; twenty-four. Put on the new self. But between verse 22 and verse 24, what is there? Verse 23, eh? And that's very important. Because Paul is not just telling them to change their behavior. Before they can change their behavior, they have to change their thinking. And so he wants them in verse 23 to be renewed in the spirit of their minds. Friends, the Gentile worldview was ignorant of God and so until they've seen the world from God's perspective, until they've understood who they are in Christ, if they have understood their forgiveness, their position, their destiny, the Ephesian Christians can't put on this new self. It's only once they know their new identity they're able to play their new role. And their motivation will then come from the inside, not from rules and regulations that are, that are placed on their shoulders. And that's the same for us as well, isn't it? Bible doesn't just preach morality to us. Bible doesn't just tell us to be better people. It doesn't just say, do good, be good. It starts, be renewed in your thinking. Be transformed, not just on the outside, but from the inside out. Be renewed in your mind by understanding Christ. Know that in Christ you have been given every spiritual blessing. That you have been chosen, redeemed, forgiven, adopted, sealed by the Spirit. Know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. Know that you were dead, but my, by his mighty power He's, he's raised you to life. Know that it seated you in the heavenly places with Christ, that you're included among God's people when you put your trust in Jesus, no matter what your background. Know that by His death on the cross, He has redeemed you. He has reconciled you with God. Know the fullness of the love of God that He has shown you in Jesus. Be renewed in your thinking. And then, having understood your identity in Christ, you can, in verse 24, Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now that you're the new person, you have a new mindset and you play the new character in the drama of life. A character that has already been created, not by your own efforts to reform yourself, but created by God created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. A character who has been declared holy and righteous through the truth, the gospel message about the death and resurrection of Jesus. A character to be holy and righteous now in her behavior as well. So what's the difference between the kind of role that the old person played and the new person plays. How should this new person act in a different way in practical day-to-day situations? Well, Paul gives us five examples in the last paragraph of the chapter. The first one is in the area of speech, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Uh, Just the other day, uh, someone told me about his uh, ministry committee that he was involved in, not at St. Mary's, uh, and they decided to tell what he calls a white lie to protect the ministry. Now, the old character lied when it was convenient. If it meant getting us out of trouble, then we are willing to be untruthful. But not anymore. We are God's people, aren't we? Our new characters are truthful. We are to speak the truth to each other, in verse 25. Speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We are God's new people and we must be people of truth. A second one is how we handle anger. Uh, verse 26 quotes Psalm 4, verse 4, and it says, Be angry and do not sin. Our new characters might still get angry. There will still be things that provoke us. But the difference is, what do we do with them? Don't lose your cool. Don't say things you'll later regret. Don't ever stop being loving. And instead, may I recommend that you, that you bring it to God. That you tell Him how you're feeling. Tell Him Why? Ask him for wisdom, whether to express that to the person you're angry with or not. And if so, how to deal with it, how to do it in a godly and and helpful way. Be angry, but do not sin. And then Paul continues in verse 26. uh, uh, And do not let the sun go down on your anger. Let it sort it out quickly. Or let it go. But don't nurse it. Don't brood over it. keep on coming back to it. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh Because you do that, what happens in verse 27? You're giving an opportunity for the devil. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a platform from which he can attack. You see, the devil is always out to divide us. Always out to stir us up one against the other. If we harbor angerness and bitterness in our heart, that's just giving him an open goal. Don't do it. The third area in which our new character is different is in verse 28. It says, let the thief no longer steal. Now, Paul's talking here about professional thieves. They don't do any other work. But we don't have to be a full-time thief in order to steal. We steal if we lie on our text forms. We steal if we use pirated... We don't have videos anymore, do we? What do we do? Pirated at what? Software, Software. okay. <laughs> we steal if we photocopy the whole textbook. We steal if we plagiarize someone else's work. We steal if we take anything that doesn't belong to us for our own purposes. Friends, stealing is not part of our new characters. And so if we are thieves, then we need to stop. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather, verse 28, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. The word labor there is toil. It's hard work. Sometimes stealing is easier. But this former thief is now meant to do honest, good, hard work with his hands. And he doesn't just do it to support himself. He works hard, in verse 28, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need, right? Giving generos- generously to others, that is the very opposite of stealing from them. And friends, that is our new role, uh, We're to work hard, not so we can say how great we are and what we've achieved, but so we can be generous. Now, our capacity for, for the quantity of our generosity might change, might be different, depending on, depending on uh, uh, well, our capacity, the quantity of our generosity, might change depending on our capacity, but the quality of generosity, the disposition to be generous, that's for all of us, isn't it? Generosity is part and parcel of the Christian lifestyle because God has been generous to us. The fourth area, which we have a new role again, is again in our speech, but a different dimension of it. Look at verse 29. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. The word corrupting there means bad, evil, Um, uh, Rotten That kind of thing In in our natural state In our sinful state uh, We are full of evil talk Rotten words Uh, We gossip We complain We slander We say unkind things We verbally abuse others We use vulgar words We use dirty language We talk bad about people behind their back And now Paul says no more Let no corrupting talk Come out of your mouth Because you've got a new role Your old character, which used to talk in that way, take it off. And the new you, well, the new you uses words to build and not destroy. To serve others, not to put them down. To speak the truth in love, to edify God's church. And so only speak, he says in verse 29, only speak as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, so that it might give grace to those who hear. Before speaking, always ask this questions: is it true, is it loving, is it helpful in this situation? But is it true, is it loving, is it helpful in this situation? We want our words to be a blessing to others, not things that, 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 that harm. A few weeks ago I shared, uh, and most of you were here, but let me share with you about two stories I heard. Uh, in, in, uh, in a very short period, in one single week. Uh, one of the people from, from our church, uh, said before he became a Christian, his mouth is always putting people down, putting people down, putting people down. People are always scared of him. Right? And now he's such a lovely man. Uh, and his old friends go, huh? Oh, what happened? Right? Uh, it's because he's, he's following Jesus now. He's changed that role. Got his new role. Um, the other one, my non-Christian taxi driver, told me about a former colleague of his in his previous job, went for a reunion. Hey, this guy, the way he talks is so different. Right? Before using all full of foul language and now suddenly, well, not suddenly, like many years later I meet him and he's, not, he's, he's different and he asked him what, it, what happened and it turns out he became a Christian. In fact, he was a pastor in Singapore. Right, change of role. Change of speech. The fifth thing, uh, we have to do differently, is to avoid grieving the Holy Spirit. You see that in verse 30. Uh, sometimes people think of the Spirit as a force, right? but we see in the Bible He's a person. Uh, and He can be grieved. In verse 30 it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, remember back in Genesis 6 when God saw how evil people were, he, he grieved that He had made them. And remember in Isaiah 63, our Old Testament reading today, uh, God, God, God spoke about how well, the people of Israel, God had saved them from, from, from slavery in Egypt and God went with them and he carried them in his love and his mercy but then what happened? They rebelled and they grieved his Holy Spirit and so it says he turned around and became their enemy and he himself fought against them instead and we have to take warning from this do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God now, how does one grieve the Holy Spirit? What do you, what do you need to do as to, so as not to grieve the Holy Spirit? Oh, the answer you keep on reading, huh? verse 31. Things that grieve the Spirit. All bitterness, oh, that's animosity, harbored resentment. Wrath, or, or better, rage, right? angry outbursts of someone who's lost their temper. Anger. That's the, the, the word that is a fested one that's not handled in a righteous way. Clamor, kind of shouting and brawling that's, that's out of control. You know, like throwing seats in parliament, that kind of thing. All right? uh, slander, uh, speaking bad things about someone in lies and gossip. Malice, nastiness uh, in every form. Trying to do bad things to bring somebody down. Just being Nasty. These are things that that grieve the Spirit. They they don't belong in the new way of living. And Instead, Paul says in verse 32, be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. God's been kind to us. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, which means be sympathetic, be gentle, be sensitive to one another. That's, That's what that is there. And it says, and forgive one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Friends, God forgave us our biggest debt, a debt that's so big that we could never repay. And He even didn't wait until we had repented to do something about that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the first step, and that was so costly. And so we can come to Him in repentance and faith, and He's able to freely forgive us. And you know what? Actually, we should be willing to take the first step to heal relationships as well, even when we are the ones who have been wronged. Now, the first step may be to decide not to nurse a grudge. Or it might be to confront the offender with his fault. And if they repent, then to forgive them, even though it hurts. The Bible doesn't say it will be easy. The Bible doesn't say we won't carry the scars of our decision, but forgiveness is a decision. And once we've forgiven, we've forgiven la. It doesn't mean we give the person the chance to sin against us again. It doesn't mean if they've broken the law, they shouldn't be punished by the authorities. It doesn't mean it's, we can just forget about it. I'm not told to forget, I'm told to forgive. But what it does mean is that we don't seek revenge on the person. We don't nurse that hurt in our hearts. And we don't spread the bitterness to other people as well. And when we're tempted to nurse bitterness, what do we do? Well, we remind ourselves that we've been forgiven and we choose not to, not to dwell uh, on the offense anymore. Just, as, just like the times, you know, when you feel guilty again for the things that you've done wrong, and you're like, hey, wait, 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 God forgave me. Yeah, God forgave me already. So don't worry about it. Don't think about it for yourself. Do the same for other people. I've forgiven them already. Don't dwell on it. Forgiveness may be hard, but God is not asking us to do anything for Him that He hasn't done for us. God forgave us, and so we ought to forgive one another. So, sisters and brothers, if you are a believer, then you are a new person in Christ. And Paul's telling us here, fling off the old role that you've been performing, right? Assassinate the old character. Be renewed in your mind. Through the gospel, and put on the new role. Live the new life. He's going to say in the next passage, be imitators of God in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He gave himself. He died to take our punishment. He gave himself for us on the cross. He is our role model. We follow his example of love. And if we live this Life of love, then we won't be that foul-mouthed, dirty-talking, vicious, perverted, gossip-thief, all these things from over here. We'll be the gentle, kind, generous, compassionate, forgiving, and good person over here. But remember, it doesn't come automatically. In fact, it doesn't even come automatically with minds that have been changed by the gospel. It requires those minds to engage in deliberate, ongoing, conscious effort. He says, take off, put on. It means I need to keep checking myself with my renewed mind and say, hey, am I doing this the old way or am I doing it the new way? Am I deliberately following the new role that God has given me or am I slipping back into the old role? Right? There's a deliberateness about that. And I had to deliberately choose the new role every time, time after time after time, deliberately until it becomes habitual and becomes ingrained as part of my character. So brothers and sisters, be who you are, stop playing the old role, change your mind, start playing the new role like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a new identity in Christ, and we pray that you help us to live this new life that you've given us. And where there are places that we need to change, where we need to get rid of the old ways of doing things and to put on the new ones, please would you show us, please would you help us. Please especially help us not to grieve your spirit, but instead to imitate your son. We ask this in his name. Amen.